Shalom, Salam, Namaste, Peace, Greetings. Uh, this is Harlem University Radio, uh, June 28th, uh, 2022. We're broadcasting at 7 p.m. Eastern, a Tuesday evening, 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, tonight's uh, show uh, is titled Charlemagne and the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, this is Naeem Abdurafi, and uh, I go on to our standard introduction. Well, not introduction, the description of the show. We study history to find humanity, what was, is, and can be. We write history, memoirs in particular, to find ourselves. Encouraging the reading of what should be read, encouraging the writing of what should be written. This is the Harlem U mission. Harlem U, Univers- uh, Harlem U University professors share history they are writing or reading. You are invited to join the faculty. No degree necessary. So to learn uh, more about this, uh, go to my website, um, which is 607-206-9720.com. 607-206-9720.com. And at the close, which is 20 or so minutes from, from now, I will repeat that, uh, that address. All right. <clears throat> so let's go to uh, our reading for tonight. So we've been reading and we'll be reading tonight from a 1936 college textbook by two professors, Albert Kerr Heckel, H-E-C-K-E-L, and James Sigmund, S-I-G-M-A-N. The title of the text is On the Road to Civilization, A World History. Again, 1936, John C. Winston Company in Philadelphia. Chapter 21, The Empire of Charlemagne. Topic, Early Frankish Kingdom. Clovis, we have learned, was the founder of the kingdom of the Franks. This took place toward the end of uh, the uh, 5th century. Um, Okay, Clovis. The 250 years of his dynasty, the Merovingian dynasty, or Merovingian empire, are one of the gloomiest periods in history. So if we want to talk talk about this period as being the Dark Ages, it is, it is really this period that is, is, uh, we're pointing to. The 250 years of, uh, of his dynasty, the Merovingian dynasty, um, <clears throat> uh, in particular, the... Uh, the 250 years after the death of Clovis, and his, he died in uh, 511 um, A.D. or Common Era. 
The kings looked upon the crown as a family possession, and it was their fatal custom when a king died to divide the realm among his sons. The fact also that there were different peoples within the kingdom, Franks, Burgundians, Visigoths, and Romans, encouraged a tendency for the kingdom to break up into several parts. Out of one of these grew the medieval kingdom of France. Out of another, medieval Germany. Topic. Foundation of the Carolingian dynasty. It is not necessary to follow the unproductive history of the Franks through the two and and one half centuries after the death of Clovis, again, 511 is when he died. The kingdom was torn by strife, and the kings came to be only figureheads known as the do-nothing kings. Their authority was usurped usurped by the king's chief advisor, known as the major domus, or mayor of the palace. In time, the office was made hereditary. That is, the office of mayor of the palace became hereditary and became the foundation of a new dynasty of Frankish kings, the Carolingian. One of the greatest mayors of the palace was Charles Martel, M-A-R-T-E-L. He got his name Martel, which means the hammer, from his defeat of the Mohammedans at Tours. Charles Martel's son, Pepin the Short, decided to end the farce in government and possessed the royal title as well as the power. And in 752, he usurped the throne. The usurpation was made with the consent of the Frankish nobles and with the sanction of the church. After the ancient German custom, Pepin was raised upon a shield and proclaimed king. He was then curiously enough following an old Jewish custom, anointed with oil by the missionary bishop, St. Boniface, and later by the Pope. The part taken by the church in this ceremony paved the way for an ancient theory of kingship, the divine right of kings. New in Western Europe, outside Italy. This theory added power to the royal office, for it became a religious as well as a political duty of the people to obey God's anointed. The idea can be followed back through Rome to Egypt, but results were not altogether fortunate for later monarchs, because if the church could crown, it might well claim the right to depose. And we shall see later on. That's exactly what the church did or attempted to do. The support given to Pepin by the Pope was not disinterested. The Lombards, the Germanic people who had settled in northern Italy, were at the time threatening to seize Rome, and the Pope hoped for aid from the Franks against this enemy. In fact, the day before Pepin was crowned, he promised aid and later sent two expeditions into Italy. He drove the Lombards back to the north and compelled them to surrender lands 
in central, Italy, in central Italy, Pepin presented to the Pope. This is known as the Donation of Pepin. Pepin, by the way, is P-E-P-I-N. It was important because the territories thus given to the Pope uh, put temporal power into his hands and laid the foundation of what are known as the states of the church, which until the 19th century prevented the unification of Italy. <clears throat> Topic, conquests of Charlemagne. Charlemagne, a son of Pepin, stands out as the most illustrious ruler of the Middle Ages. He was an empire builder, marshalling almost all the divisions of the German race into a single group, and he turned back or subdued all hostile people, Slavs, Arabs, Avars, Saxons, and Northmen. In his long reign of 46 years, that is 768 through 814, he made 53 military expeditions, in most of which he acted in person as a leader. <clears throat> he invaded Italy, won the whole of Lombardy, and placed on his head the iron crown of the Lombards, thus uniting Italy with Frankland, a union which caused seven centuries of discord. He invaded Spain and conquered the Mohammedan Moors in the northeastern part of the country, adding their lands to his empire under the title of the Spanish March. <clears throat> the destruction of his rear guard as it retreated through the Pyrenees gave rise to, the one, uh, rise to one of the finest epics of chivalry, the Song of Roland, Chanson de Roland. I think, yes. The Saxons were now the only Germans who remained pagan. Charlemagne made 18 campaigns against them over a period of 30 years before he succeeded in converting them to Christianity and adding them to his empire. It took four expeditions to subjugate the Avars, dangerous pagans of the same stock as the Huns, they had been menacing Christian Europe for three centuries, having taken possession of the old provinces of Dacia and, and Pannonia. I think Dacia is um, today's Romania. <clears throat> and Pannonia, I guess, is somewhere up in that neighborhood. Topic. Charlemagne is crowned emperor. On Christmas Day, 800, while kneeling before the altar in the Church of St. Peter in Rome, Charlemagne was crowned the Pope with the words, To Charles the Augustus, crowned by God, great and pacific emperor, life and victory. <clears throat> the coronation of Charlemagne was a usurpation, for the government at Constantinople was still the legal governing, governing authority in the empire. But a woman usurper sat on the throne in the East, and that seemed to be seemed to the Pope uh, an excellent reason for taking the imperial, imperial crown from a wicked heretic and placing it on the head of a champion 
of the Orthodox Church. The dramatic event did not, however, restore the Roman Empire. It, it, uh, it merely restored the line of emperors in the West. <clears throat> Yet it was one of the most important events in European history. Through 700 years, German rulers had interfere, interfered in the affairs of Italy to secure the imperial crown. The result was that both countries were worn out by this useless policy. During the same period, of, uh, period the popes, growing, growing in power under the protection of the Frankish monarchy, gradually made themselves independent of it and asserted their right to give or take away the imperial crown. Their claim to this right brought on a long and bitter contest between the empire and the papacy. The empire uh, lasted more or less as a fiction until Napoleon put an end to it in 1806. After the 12th century, it was called the Holy Roman Empire. Okay. Charlemagne topic, Charlemagne puts his empire under efficient government. It was in governing his empire that Charlemagne revealed himself to be a political genius. He was faced with the task of making his strength felt in every part of his dominions. Because of the barbarian conception of personal law, there was a great diversity of law. Any man might demand uh, that he be tried under the old tribal rules of his own people. These various German codes Charlemagne attempted to harmonize, but with little success. He did, however, issue official administrative rules and regulations, which were essentially royal legislation. <clears throat> they were called capitularies, that is, little chapters, and dealt with a great variety of matters, moral, political, civil, religious, penal, domestic, and incidental. <clears throat> Under early Frankish rulers, the kingdom was divided into counties corresponding to old tribal districts. Military and civil affairs of each county were administered by a governor called a count. That's the county. Sometimes several counties were united under a higher official called a duke, Latin for ducks, which means leader. Charlemagne continued this system, but dukes were becoming so strong that they threatened the unity of the empire. So Charlemagne reduced their number to three. Districts along the frontiers were organized into special counties called marks or marches, and counts who administered them were called margraves. So I think we have the, we mentioned the Spanish march um, after the defeat of uh, the Moors, the Muslims. Uh, so the Spanish march was established. Anyway, uh, so, okay, districts along the frontiers were organized into special counties called marks or marches, and, and counts who administered them 
were called margraves, or in English, uh, marquis. Well, that's French, actually, but uh, I guess there's a an, an English pronunciation of marquis. Okay. To keep close contact uh, between the central and local governments, Charlemagne sent out special special commissioners called Messai Domenici, or royal messengers. So note that um, the language used here is is uh, is Latin. <clears throat> Messai Domenici, or royal messengers. They usually went in twos, one being a clergyman, uh, one being a clergyman. They had a wide range of duties, taking care of imperial interests and overseeing the administration of local officers, both civil and religious. Topic, Charlemagne's interests in education. One basis for Charlemagne's reputation in history was his interest in education. For three centuries, there had been little concern for book learning. Okay, so we're talking about the the Dark Ages. Charlemagne became the patron of literature and science and paid particular attention to the palace school, a group of scholars whom he gathered at his court. The most famous of these scholars was Alcuin, Alcuin, A-L-C-U-I-N, an English teacher and writer who was brought to France to become master of the palace school. There he devoted himself with other scholars to literary activities and to the education of the children of the royal family. Cathedral and monastery schools were also established. These were especially for the clergy, but were open to all who wished to enter. Charlemagne also has a reputation as a builder. Employing Italian architects, he built palaces for himself in three towns and several churches, particularly the magnificent uh, cathedral at Aix-la-Chapelle, or what is known as uh, Aachen or Aachen, Aix-la-Chapelle, in which he was later buried. Topic, Charlemagne's empire did not last. He planned to divide his territories among his three sons, but when he died in 814, only one son, Louis the Pious, survived him. Disintegration of the empire began immediately and there followed several centuries of strife, during which civilization suffered a decline. There were several forces of separation at work to undermine the unity of the state which Charlemagne had welded together. Difficulty of communication with various parts of the empire encouraged the development of local independence. There was unity of, uh, of government and religion only, not a unity of race, customs, language, or laws. The growing power of the papacy resulted in papal aggression and a rivalry between church and state instead of the former cooperation and mutual support. The Frankish policy of dividing the king's territories upon his death was a disrupting factor. 
new barbarians from the east and north harassed the land. Moreover, Charlemagne's descendants were, for the most part, weaklings, and those who had ability were far from measuring up to the genius of the great emperor. Such nicknames as the bald, the simple, the fat, the lazy, the stammerer, the child, do not belong to empire builders. Okay. So the empire suffered rapid dissolution after Charlemagne's death. The Treaty of Verdun in 843 between the three grandsons of Charlemagne divided the empire into three parts. By the, by the Treaty of Mersin in 870, these three divisions suggested the later boundaries of France, of Germany, and, and Austria, and of Italy. So we end there, and uh, next week we begin reading about uh, a rather dark period, uh, the, the feudal, feudal uh, period in uh, that follows uh, the dissolution of the real Holy Roman uh, Empire. All right. So, uh, as promised, uh, if you want to give feedback or uh, if you want to know about uh, joining the show, that is joining the faculty and, and reading some, some history that complements what's, uh, you know, what is being uh, currently uh, presented, um, or if you want to share the work you're doing on your memoir, um, connect with uh, me, um, Naeem Abdurafi, at my landing page, 607-206-9720, 607-206-9720. So with that, uh, thank you for your attendance and your forbearance, and um, shalom. Salam, so long.